It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is magician Matt King. He performs in the Matt King Comedy Show at Harrow's Las Vegas, Tuesdays through Saturdays. Two shows at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. For ticket information, go to harrowslasvegas.com for everything about Matt King, including his two, now two, magic books. Two. Count them, two. Go to mattkingshow.com. And, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Ira. Thanks for having me on. No, I'm delighted to, because we just saw your show, or not we, it's the Royal we. Oh, the Royal just, Ira. Yeah, I just, yeah, all right. <laughs> I just saw your show, so I like the idea of having that energy and you being out of breath so that we can sit here and talk about your, <gasps> ah, your I'm trying to breathe, yeah, yeah, trying to no, breathe. You're doing, yeah. you're, do, you're doing wonderful. And so I, I have a new concept for a movie for you. Okay. It's called uh, Dead Magicians Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, yeah. Starring Steve Martin and Matt King. And I, I would, man, what do you he's think? my idol. There you go. I have uh, been trying, every time Steve Martin's in town with Martin Short now, I've been trying to get him to come to the show, because, I mean, that would really mean a lot to me. So, Steve, I, I know you're big Ira, Gl- uh, Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, <laughs> anyway, I know you're a big fan of this show, and... <laughs> So uh, please come to the show next time you're in town, Steve Martin. I think that's a great we'll do idea. A little, we'll do Ira's mo- movie. Yeah, no, I think it'll be great. You have an interesting background because there's you and this other magician that I happen to know named Lance Burton, and both are you. You remember Lance? I'm racking my brain. Oh Lance, my, what's my, his last name? Just drawing Burton? Uh, no. Oh, All right. Okay. Uh, Tim Burton? Oh, yeah. Tim Burton oh, yeah, is the guy. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Lance and I, yeah, we've known each, since each other Louisville. since we were like 14, probably. That is absolutely amazing. So you, you've you tracked each other's careers. You've been friends since that period of time. That's unusual, isn't it? Even in it the magic is, community? Uh, I don't know of anything like that, really. So guys that have known each other since they were 14 and both ended up on the strip in Las Vegas. It's crazy. He has an interesting story about how he got to Las Vegas. I don't know that in the past when you've been on the show, we've talked about how you decided to come to Las Vegas. What brought you? Well, he tried to get me. I mean, he was here way before me, and he kept trying to get me to move here, but he he wasn't successful. I mean, he would say, "This is you got to move to Las Vegas, and I just never felt like I had the right show for Las Vegas. You know what I mean? I don't have, it's not a big production show. It's, there's no dancing girls, no production value at all <laughs> well there's a guinea pig yeah there's a guinea pig and a, and a bear. Yeah, yeah yeah so he and my wife are friends too my wife's also from louisville and my wife's a marriage and family therapist and he would you know talking to her he'd say you know jennifer a lot of crazy people in las vegas too plenty of work for you <laughs> <laughs> and but it, i just never thought that it would be the right spot for me but i used to come into town a week at a time i would work all the comedy clubs here i worked he started uh, at the improv when that was at the riviera i actually shot a, an episode of evening at the improv years ago that old tv show from the improv at the riviera that was one of the first times i came to las vegas to do, shoot that show and then uh and then Comedy Stop at the Trop when that was there. And then the improv moved here to Harris. And then there was a club at the Maxim called the Comedy Max. And so. That should have been called Comedy Mac. 
Right. Well, that's what I try. Heck, tried to convince them of that too. And so there was a nighttime comedy club show that I came in and worked. But Nick Lewin, remember Nick? Sure do. Uh, so Nick was a comedy magician, and he had an afternoon show at the Maxim. And so after I had come in and headlined the nighttime club, they asked me if I was. I, my wife and I lived in L.A. at the time, and he, they asked me if I would be interested in filling in for Nick when he would take some time off. And so I started doing that. And so that was my kind of my first foray into Las Vegas and with an afternoon show too. And that's a key to your success. Not that you couldn't perform at night, but the fact that you're able to do two shows a day in Las Vegas in the afternoon. It's and the greatest ever. I mean, my daughter's off at college now, but you know, growing up, I mean, I've been here almost 20 years. So I started before she was born at Harris. It's amazing. Crazy. Absolutely and amazing. So, and so being able to spend, you know, before I come to work, hang out with my wife and daughter, have breakfast with my daughter and take her to school at that point, and then have dinner with my wife and daughter every night. That's unheard of for, you know, kind of show business in Las Vegas. And people who know how that works in Las Vegas, especially afternoon shows, it's a tough way to go unless you do it right. You've been doing it right, as you said, for 20 years. Well, I've been doing it a while. But, I mean, at one point, I mean, initially there was only two or three, you know, two afternoon shows. There was Bottoms Up. Remember uh, his... Breck Wall. Breck Wall show. And, And then Rick Thomas... Had at the an Tropicana. At the Tropicana. Right. And, and it was Nick. And then Nick left the Maxim, and then I took over that show at the Maxim. That was my first job here in Las Vegas full-time. And so that there were only three at that point, and then they sort of proliferated. You know, once something, I think, sort of establishes itself as a viable thing, more people hop onto that bandwagon. And now there's... the. You know, there's a lot been a lot that have come and gone, but there's there's more venues in town that do afternoon shows. Well, the unique part about your show too, as I see it, is that it is a I hate to use this term, but you'll appreciate it, a family friendly show. Yeah, I mean, I there that's are the there stigma are that I fought against not uh, not the family friendly part, but I mean, I think because it is in the afternoon, I I, I still get it. People after the show going, ah, I can't. I so. You know, parents say, I was, you know, I brought this, I brought my kids here because I thought it was a kid's show. And it's not really a kid's show, but it is family friendly. And so uh, I kind of have a fought against that because people, you know, I think there are people who still think, oh, it's a show because it's in the afternoon for eight-year-olds. And eight-year-olds like it, but 18-year-olds like it, and 28-year-olds, and 38, and 88. Absolutely, and when you have people come up on stage to assist or to be made fun of, no, I don't make fun of anybody. I just threw that out there. (laughs) (laughs) But but what happens is that uh, sometimes they're kids, but sometimes they're adults. So yeah, yeah, usually, let's see. In the show, there are one, two, three, four, five, six audience members who come up on stage, and only one of those six is a kid ever. The rest are always adults. So when you look at the audience, and it's an interesting demographic because it is a cross-section of America, and the fact that they come to see a magician and they don't know whether it's going to be for kids or not, as you mentioned, they're, they're, yeah. it's an adult show. And I will say that there are certain double entendres that are Yeah, no, I show. think there's stuff that there's a lot of stuff that goes over kids' heads, and 
so it's i mean you know i mean i that show was developed in comedy nightclubs you know i mean i was headlining the improvs around the country and the funny bones and all those clubs and so that's where this show was developed and when i sort of started doing the afternoon i was like wonder how much of this i need to tone down and when i was doing those clubs my goal i mean i don't i'm off stage i'm like the filthiest guy you know really <laughs> dirty humor and uh but on stage my goal was not to if, if it if i couldn't do it on regular network television then i didn't want to do it in the show not because i'm a prude but just that seemed like a a good business model really and so that noise you hear in the background is we were sitting in Mac King's dressing room at the yeah. era, so that gives you a little bit of the verite involved here. Right. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, Radio Verite. Yes, Radio uh, Verite. <laughs> and, Did it throw you off your, your statement there? Or yeah, you, okay. yeah, so I was... Uh, the business model oh, is... Oh, yeah, so, to, I, so yeah. I, wanted, I didn't want to be dirty because I wanted to be able to do it on, on television. And so when I started doing afternoons, I'm like, well, how much of this do I need? And so initially I just thought, well, I'll just do it the way I would do it in a normal comedy club, nightclub setting and see how it goes the first few times. And it turns out I didn't need to, you know, change hardly anything. I mean, there's, it, it's, you know, so, I mean, it's kind of PG 13, I guess that you would say. And yeah, that's that's a good rating. Yeah. Do, do you think that the, your decision to use plaid helps to diffuse the potential for audiences mistaking some of your lines? In other words, that's kind of a roundabout way of saying you're able to diffuse some of your patter because of what you're wearing. So that maybe in other words, I think. I mean, I think it's more of a package than. I mean, I think it's the plaid, but it's also my attitude too. I'm really there's. No, I'm not aggressive in any way on stage. And so I think that diffuses some of it too. And I think people, you know, as the show goes on, it happens more and more. I think at the beginning, people are like, the plaid serves also sort of almost to like people go, it sets the expectations really low. Right. <laughs> so when you, when I walk out wearing this suit, people go, oh crap, what have we wandered into? And so the, so the, so the, so the expectations, the bar is set pretty low. Right. And there's, there's a lack of elegance, isn't there's there? There's a lack of elegance is a nice way to put it. And a polite way to put it. So, yes. um, so the, the bar is set pretty low. And so it serves to diffuse the, so because the bar is set pretty low, I mean, I don't have to do much to exceed expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but you are obviously skilled at both the practice of magic, but also interacting with the audience, especially those you bring up on stage. Well, for me, that's what, I mean, like I said, like we were talking about, I've been doing this a really long time, you know, 10 shows a week for almost 20 years. It's, you know, I mean, that's, that's like 10,000 shows. With no showgirls. With no showgirls. Which, it, it, for no, me, no, it's personally... It's a little bit disappointing, yes, right? Yeah, it is. Sorry. It is. <laughs> but I overlook it because you are a one-man show. I mean, you have a guinea pig and you have <laughs> right? worms and things like that. <laughs> right. But separate from that... Goldfish, guinea pigs, yeah, exactly. worms. Yeah, exactly. And none harmed during the production cookies, of the show. Cookies, and cookies. There's, yeah, there's fig, fig Newtons. Newtons, yes. So, uh, not Wayne Newton, but Fig Newton. Wayne Newton does not come out of my pants. Right, exactly. <laughs> fig does, though. <laughs> so... <laughs> So over those course of those years, what's kept it interesting for me 
because I mean, I feel like, I mean, you've seen this, have you seen every show in town more than once? And sometimes you see people who've been doing shows for a long time, they kind of walk through the show and, you know, they, it's like, why are you even doing that? Well, you don't even care about this. And so what, one of the things that keeps me caring about it is the genuine audience interaction that I try to provide. I want people walking out of the show going, feeling like, or realizing that they saw a show that no one else will ever see. That was a one-time experience. You know, experience, and so I'm really trying to focus on being a genuine listener, and you know, with the audience members that are in the audience, but also as particularly the people that are on stage. And you know, they're not props; they're human beings, and so a, a genuine human interaction with them is what keeps me interested, but also I think makes it a different, a good experience for the audience too. And also your listening skills, as you referenced, you're able to pick up things, either their personality, something they say, and you react to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, I'm they're not going to get from any other show. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, of course, you've, you jettisoned your listening skills during this show, but okay. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Uh, well, think about who I have to listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Good point. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, let's take a break. My guest magician, Matt King, he's performing in the Matt King Comedy Show at Harris Las Vegas Tuesdays through Saturdays with two shows at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. For ticket information, go to harrislasvegas.com. And for everything about Matt King, including his two books, which we'll talk about, go to mattkingshow.com. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. Performances nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with magician Matt King in his dressing room. He's performing in the Matt King. Very fancy here. It is very, very nice. (laughs) The Matt King Comedy Uh Show. That's all right. We're still going. The Matt King Comedy Show. Things are dropping. You know, uh, guinea pigs are running around. It's fine. But anyway, the Matt King Comedy Show is at Harris Las Vegas Tuesdays through Saturdays with shows at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. And for ticket information, go to harrislasvegas.com. And for everything about Matt King, including magic kits and books and guinea pigs, Go to MacKingShow.com. And speaking of books, <laughs> we're laughing at a bunch of different things that have gone on here. But uh, tell us a little bit about the two books. One is Campfire Magic, but you have a new one out, which is Head Magic. It's called Tricks With Your Head. And uh, inside the book, I show people how to do 52 funny, easy magic tricks to fool their friends using their head as a prop. Oh. It's not necessarily their head. It can be the head. Some of them are the heads of your friend. Does any result in damage to the head? I believe there are, no harm comes to any heads in the book. As well as goldfish and no everything else. No harm comes to any goldfish or guinea pigs or bears or white tigers in the Matt King show. And if memory serves, which it never does with me because I'm losing it rapidly, but it sticks in my head that your brother was involved in that first book. Uh, involved in both. But uh, everybody says my brother, and I'll go ahead and say yes, but it's actually my cousin. 
but his name, his last name is King, and everybody thinks we're brothers. And uh, I don't do anything to dissuade anybody of that because he's the, he's the funny one in the family. So I, <laughs> I'm happy to be associated with him. Now I want to quell any rumors by verifying with you. Were you at any time a member of the? I was not a member of the Communist Party. Okay, well, how about the King family? I have, the King... <laughs> I have been a member of the King family. Yeah, Alan King. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the King sisters and yeah. uh, all those guys, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Yeah, the, all the everybody. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah, part I'm of the third. It. Martin Luther King the third. Third. There you go. And when you come out as and Mac, Mac King, King, Mac King Cole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you recorded your recent album at Capitol Records, right? Okay, that's right. Studio A, I think it was. Let's get back to this this plaid stuff again. How did you decide? Besides, I, we know the story that you give about. Your grandmother. Right. Well, uh, my grandmother did not make this suit. I don't want to disappoint anybody. Right. But that, I say that, and that is a lie. But that's one of the only few lies in the show. <laughs> um, when I first, one early on when I was doing magic shows, I was at my mom's parents' house, and in the attic, I found some old suits of my grandfather. And I started wearing those suits. I still have So that's a true story. That is a true story that I got this suit from my grandfather. And I went through, I believe, three of his suits that I'd gotten out of his attic. But he'd already, you know, he'd worn them, and they'd been up in his attic for a number of years. And so they didn't last that long. So I took those suits, though, to a costume designer in L.A. and had her make something similar. Only they don't fit. Right. Well, <laughs> not I gotta hide a lot of they're, stuff in these suits. Sure, they're, they're not tailor made, but there's a reason but, for it, folks. Yeah, if right. you know magic, yeah, no, they are tailor made. <laughs> well, that's true, but they're they're not made to fit. Let, right. Let's uh, rephrase that, Your Honor. Yeah. yeah no, I, I get, are you sure you're not a member of the King family? Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. No, you said you were though. That, that's fine. That's fine. So you move out here with your wife, and at that point, you didn't have a daughter. I did not have a daughter and that I know of. Lance, Yes, that you know of. And Lance is happy to see you. You're here. That's what he claimed. When he was at the Tropicana, I always felt when he was at the Tropicana, he looked to me because he never spoke during his act when he was at the Trop. And I've told him this many times. He always struck me as a young Christopher Plummer. So if oh, you've ever yeah, watched The Sound really of nice. Music yeah, and other yeah. things, he had that look about him. It was just, and then he started to talk once he went to the Hacienda and then eventually right. to the Well, Monte that Carlo. look actually wasn't based on Christopher Plummer, but it was based on Frank Langella. And when Frank Langella did a Dracula movie, and so Lance took us some of that. I mean, I'm probably letting the cat out of the bag. But, <laughs> That's uh, good. But I like some that. Of the, uh, yeah, so some of the dirt on Lance, or just behind the scenes. But yeah, so that look of Lance at that time when, when he was at the Tropicana and before was based on Frank Langella's Dracula. Interesting. And, yeah. You, of course... On Broadway, and then they made it into a movie. Right, and you were based more on Soupy Sales. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll take that. Yeah, just a speculation yeah. on my part. I don't know if it's true. If you had to qualify or categorize, not your magic, because it's top level, but your comedy and your approach to comedy, how would you define that? In other words, and maybe you can't. I don't well, know. I, don't, I mean, I think it's more personality and situation driven than joke driven. You could say that. I mean, there's some joke jokes, and you know, lines that are funny in and of themselves. But a lot of it is, um, you know, more situational. You know, what happens and I make a comment on it or 
uh, my interaction with this person from the audience and and there's humor generated that way so i don't think there's any there i mean there are some but for the most part it's like it, it wouldn't the, the jokes wouldn't be there if the tricks weren't there too but the only i mean i'm thinking of a joke joke that's in the show that is independent of anything else and that one of them is like when i say to the woman she comes up on stage and she has a rope and I say, we're going to do the Houdini Challenge naked rope escape. I want you to take off your clothes and tie me up. So that's like a joke joke, and it stands alone. It's not, you know, in that has nothing to do with the trick. But, but a lot of the humor is generated by the magic. I mean, there, you know, there's, there's, there are things that, you know, when I, a person picks a card and writes their name on it and that card disappears from the deck and I unzip my pants and pull that out. Well, that's just, you know, that's not a joke. Pull the card out. Pull the, yeah, pull the card out of my fly and with her signature on it, which is how I met my wife, by the way. She really? was a volunteer from the audience. That was, yeah. The, I didn't uh, well, know that yeah, story. I, yeah, her card ended up on my pants. That's how I met my wife. <laughs> and then she ended up in therapy and then right, became a she therapist. She ended up in therapy and then she became a therapist. And it's all That's uh, great. It's a circle of life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Or semi-circle of life. Semi-circle maybe. of life. Yes. <laughs> so you're. Well, I don't think you've quite defined the humor, other than it's, it's situational. Yeah, it's situational, but some of it are, is jokes. But I mean, but but uh, it's the the tricks themselves are funny. I mean, this this situations that are created are funny. I mean, card in the pants is funny in and of itself, and there's some plays on words, but it's not. I hope it's not like stupid uncle. You know, or, uh, or Grandpa E. You know, I mean, I think it's people believe that. I hopefully people feel that it's clever instead of stupid, and so. And there's there's a thing in comedy called a callback where, uh, you know, a joke refers back to something earlier in the show, and it for me that's a very high form of humor. The structure of the act generates laughs. You know, I mean, at the you know there's. There are things that happen at the end of the show that refer back to th- things that are at the beginning, questions that were left unanswered a little bit. So, similar to a running gag, but except saved for the, towards the end. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, to me, a running gag is sort of the thing, same thing over and over again. So if I, I mean, like uh, the Fig Newtons are like a running gag. They, they, a Fig Newton comes, you know, appears from nowhere uh, unexpectedly, and then it, appears from nowhere again and and it, it happens over and over again. And so that's like a running gag to me. And then a, but a callback is like something that refers back to something earlier in the show that's not that it's not exactly the same, but it's uh that's Dave the slight and sound guy going, "Hey, let's do a show. <laughs> we're running late. Yeah, we're going to get you out of here in a few yeah. minutes." Do you have faith in the audience that they'll remember the the callback because it's, sometimes it's 10 yeah, 15 of course. minutes yeah, later no, or sometimes even longer yeah i mean they're like the magic words in the show are bring bring and that happens in the first 4 minutes and then it doesn't why are the why is that the magic words isn't really answered for another more than an hour later and so yeah i mean i and and then it all makes sense and so i I I love that structure. 
there's no break in the show during the show for you. It's a one-man show, right. and you're there the whole time. Yeah. So how do you get the energy for that? Because you're doing, again, two shows ah. a day. It's an hour, yeah, hour and 15 about, each. Yeah, it's about an hour and 15 minutes, or, right. you know, depending on laughs and applause. So sometimes it's 40 minutes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's easy. I mean, it's you're, not, you're okay. It's you're, not you're, hard it's not work. Hard work. It's not <laughs> Which hard is why work. you're the luckiest man in Las uh, yeah, Vegas. I'm not really working that hard. <laughs> I'm doing card tricks and rope tricks and, you know, uh, cloak of invisibility and tricks with goldfish. I mean, it's... You've got to get Steve Martin to come and see your show. Yeah. I, you yeah, know, you've got to put a man on that, would All you? right. I will, I, I will do that. Yeah. We only have a minute or two left, sorry, because I know you're going to go back on stage for that second show. And... I'm going to be busy doing heavy lifting, putting equipment away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, These mics are very heavy. Very, very heavy. Looking to the future, is there a niche for your unique brand of magic for the next 5, 10, 15 years? As I opposed hope so. To typical I've got magic. nothing else to do. I just, <laughs> I've re-upped here till 2023. So I'm, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, I got a job. Yeah, it's good. Most and, performers don't get that uh, many years of a contract. They get one or they get two, and even yeah. then, a lot of times it's a four wall, two wall situation. Which well, is well, I'm like the dinosaur of that too. I mean, right. I, uh, you know, I mean, I've been grandfather. You know, I've been here so long that I keep getting grandfathered into. So I'm in a different deal than most people. Absolutely. Too. So it's, I'm, you know, partners with the hotel and the show. So that's really worked out great for me too. Is there one thing you have not done yet that you want to do separate and apart from the show? I don't think we can talk about that. Yes, but besides oh, I that, I mean, <laughs> maybe travel or uh, you know, do something there's, different. There's, there's really only uh, one downside to, you know, I mean, we talked about the advantages of being here all the time, and there's a tiny little bit of a downside to it uh, in that. You know, for 20 years, the, my busiest time for the show are like spring break, the summer, Thanksgiving week, Christmas week, New Year's week. Those holidays are the busiest time for me. And so I have a hard time taking off. So we haven't done, you know, when my daughter is off school, it's hard for me to take off when, when she was off school. So... um we didn't do many really out-of-town family vacations because of that. And so I'm looking forward to that at some point, you know, hanging out, you know, taking more trips and being away from home and traveling. That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been magician Matt King. He performs in the Matt King Comedy Show at Harrow's Las Vegas, Tuesdays through Saturdays with two shows at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m., for ticket information, go to harrislasvegas.com. And for everything about Mac King, go to MacKingShow.com. Mac, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Ira, thanks again. Appreciate it. It's Enjoyed great to it. see you. See you Always. next time. Thanks. Right. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah, be Las Vegas. Anything you want us to be.